Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. We live in a generation where we have lost honor. You say, what does this have to do with God? Everything, friend. When we lose a culture of honor in a nation, we lose it in the church. We lose it in politics. We lose it in education. And we begin to see our nation implode upon itself. We find ourselves where honor and respect are becoming obsolete. Ungodliness and perversion are being held and celebrated as good. Some of you have heard of George Orwell. Anybody heard of Orwell? You'll hear these things. That's an Orwellian statement because Orwell seemed to have like a prophetic insight about what would happen to culture. Listen to what Orwell said. The further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those that speak the truth. So we, we find ourselves in need of endurance, friend. John Wesley, the great Methodist, who was a fiery evangelist, I I challenge you to read of his meetings. The glory of God was so strong. Oftentimes when John Wesley would preach, men and women would fall off their chairs and weep under conviction because the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God was so strong in his meetings. But Wesley was a a firebrand. He was only about 120 pounds. They said about five foot two inches, a small man. But he was full of the fire of God, and, and God used him to really touch continents with the glory of God. And the Methodist movement just spread far and wide. But listen to what Wesley said. He said, what one generation tolerates, the next one will embrace. And I'll say the next one will celebrate, and the next one will promote. So here we we find ourselves, friend, in a generation where we make heroes out of people that, and again, let me just clarify something. We are supposed to be the most loving, compassionate, welcoming people on the earth. Amen? That's who Jesus was. At the same time, it is not love to condone perversion to to flirt with filth and pet perversion and act like it's okay when it's totally contrary to the nature of the living God. When we lose the fear of God, then we lose the truths that make us the people of God and the nation begins to implode upon itself. And here we are in 2023 in the United States of America. We're seeing the chaos, the violence, 
the murders in our streets, in our cities. Friend, we've got to be willing to endure and to stand for truth, even if it costs us something. Can I tell you something? The gospel has cost men and women something throughout the history of the church. And many of them have shed their blood so that Jesus would be glorified. You say, that's not America. Friend, I don't know what's going to happen 20 years from now, 30 years, if the Lord tarries. I look at my eight grandchildren, and I, I see the world that my generation is handing to them. And my heart, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and, and again, I live in peace, but I also live with my eyes open, friend. My heart breaks for the younger generations who do not know people that know Jesus effectively. I was blessed to be really raised in the faith by my father-in-law, my mother-in-law. And they instilled intimacy with Jesus into me. And there was something solid and powerful that was left inside of me. And listen to me, as I look at my children and my grandchildren with every breath in my body, my passion is that they would know Jesus and the truths of his word. And that they would be able to stand in the dark hour that we find ourselves in. You see, Ascend Church, Ascend Academy, this is a beautiful facility, but your, your calling is not just to be a beautiful facility off a road in Georgia somewhere. Your calling is to persevere. Your calling is to spread the gospel, no matter what it costs you, to live the truth of the word of God and to love people enough to tell them the truth. Can I tell you something? It is not love to hide the truth of God's word for a, from a generation. If I had a cure to all cancer and I said, listen, all you got to do is take this one pill and it'll kill every cancer cell in your body. And I hid that pill that I hid that that cure from cancer because I didn't want people to feel offended because if I told them that's the only way. They might get offended because maybe they want another way. Well, can I tell you something, friend? Like it or not, Jesus is the only way. And he's so adamant about it that he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Luke said as he wrote the book of Acts, in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Friend, America needs to hear there's still one way. Listen, I have stood in the fields of West Africa preaching to 10,000 Muslims at a time some nights. No belief in Jesus at all. And I have preached Jesus and the cross of Calvary, preached the blood of Jesus, and I have watched Muslims run to altars with tears coming down their face when the power of the gospel penetrated their hearts. We live in a generation where people say they won't listen to it anymore, friend. The gospel is still the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something about humanity. God said that he's put eternity in the heart of every person. Amen. What does that mean? There is something on the inside of every human that when they hear the truth of the gospel, even though they recoil and resist it, there is something on the inside of them 
that they recognize there's something about this that I've got to deal with. Listen, you can send me to a college. I can teach on Taoism, Shintoism, Hinduism, Buddhism, and I've taught war religions, how false they are, but I've, I've taught this. But when I began to teach about Jesus, it's different. You can teach on Buddha. You can teach on Taoism. You can teach on all other types of religions, and man is fine. But you begin to teach about Jesus, and friend, you'll see fangs come out. Why? Because there is something on the inside of humanity that recognizes that he is the creator of the world. And the reason there is such an insidious attack against truth, and unfortunately so much of the church, forgive me, but they've become cowards. Why did Paul say, I am not ashamed of the gospel? Because he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. He lived in a generation where he had plenty of room to be ashamed of the gospel. Whether it be in Ephesus, wherever he was, there was idolatry. There was the worship of Diana or Artemis. There was idol worship. There was temple prostitution. There was perversion, anything going and coming. But Paul came and brought the truth with love into every place God sent him. I've often said when the apostle Paul showed up, in a city, one or two things were happening, sometimes both, either revival or riot. Read the book of Acts, that's what happened. Why? Because the truth brings humanity to a decision. I'm going to just share just a few points, and I'm closing. How must we endure, and how must we persevere? Our brothers already talked about this a little bit. We must persevere in purity and in the fear of the Lord. If you're a note taker, that's number one. We must persevere or endure in purity and in the fear of the... Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel or his body in sanctification and in honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarn you and testified. Why? For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. What is Paul saying? Persevere. In righteous. I'm not talking about some legalistic list of rules without a relationship, but can I tell you something? When Jesus has your heart, then he has you. Listen, friend, I've got one wife. That's it. 38 years and counting. That's it. You understand? I don't have another woman in Georgia and one up in Canada and one over in India. No, friend, I got one wife. She's got my heart. She's got most of my money. Um, but I mean, I, I got one wife. I don't want another one. My point is this. I am committed to her until I take my last breath. My same commitment and even a greater commitment is unto Jesus Christ, my Lord. I'm not interested in a name or a title. People say, what do you want me to call you? I've got a doctor. You want us to call you? No, just call. My mama's always called me Keith. 
Unless she was mad, then it was Douglas Keith. But, but listen, I don't want to tie. Listen, all I want is to be faithful to Jesus, to righteousness, to purity until I take my last breath. God's calling us to endure in a culture of perversion, intolerance, and ungodliness. What do people need, friend? They need something real and genuine. Proverbs is very clear, 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of understanding. And we need a revival of the fear of God in the American church. I mean, the church is ordaining homosexuals. The church. We need a revival of the fear of God in the church. Why? So that the glory of God that we celebrated and sang about and experienced this morning would reside on the people of God to make a difference in our generation, that America might see revival again in this hour. We must persevere in purity in the word. We must also persevere, and this isn't popular, in persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul said this to his spiritual son, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, why is that? Let me tell you why that is. The truth of the gospel will always contradict the spirit of the age. And as we fasten ourselves to the absoluteness of Jesus being the only way of salvation, it causes a reaction. Can I tell you what the Bible said about Jesus? Sometimes, and I don't have time to teach on this, but I, I teach about the paradoxical qualities of the Bible because Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword, but he was the prince of peace, Brian. <laughs> so it's kind of paradoxical, and, but you have to understand what he's saying. In other words, the only real peace comes when the sword is applied. The sword representing the word of God. Why? Because it, it, it separates soul and spirit, bone and marrow. The, the Bible said it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it comes and it reveals the lostness of humanity. And then men are brought to godly sorrow, which leads to repentance, which leads to transformation. And our lives are never the same again. Some of you have heard my testimony probably. Listen, I was a drug addict. My biological father introduced me to marijuana, to alcohol, to Hustler Magazine, Penthouse, and Playboy at the age of eight years old. My father, biological father, fell dead at the age of 51 from drug addiction. My youngest brother's been in prison for 32 years in North Florida. I've got another brother strung out on meth in New Mexico. Why am I telling you this? It took the truth of the word of God to set Keith Collins free from Satan, from sin, and from myself. And at the age of 16 years old, my life was radically arrested by the love of Jesus. And I've never been the same. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. That's what this generation needs to hear. But when that is true in you, even when persecution comes, you're like, all for the glory of Jesus. Again, friend, we're not ashamed of the gospel. Let me read you these encouraging words. Two more things, and I'm closing this morning. Praise God. Listen to the words of Jesus and be encouraged. John 15, 18 through 20. This is the words of Jesus. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, Jesus said, the world would love its own. Yet because 
You are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Now, listen, friend, I'm not masochistic in the sense I don't just sit around and say, oh, God, let me suffer. Let me be persecuted. You, you understand, I'm, I'm not looking. Some people are persecuted just because they're, they're idiots, <laughs> right? I mean, they're just belligerent, even with their religion. With their, you ever been around people that's just like, oh, my gosh, man? They're just beating you over the head with the Bible. No, friend, but listen to me. When you come from a walk with God and you bring the truth of the Scripture, you might be persecuted, but when it comes from a relationship with God, even if there is persecution, can I tell you, some of my, dearest, some of my dearest friends in the world that I'll stay with from time to time when I'm in their nation, they bear scars in their body. One dear brother, he's been beat in the face several times with rocks, preaching the gospel in India. And even though his face is mangled and scarred up from old wounds, from being stoned, the love of Jesus and the glory of the Lord emanates from his face. Can I tell you, I've, I've laid, I was, some of you know Dr. Michael Brown. Dr. Brown and I were in India probably eight, nine years ago. We laid hands on 100 young leaders that had just graduated from a pastoral training school. They were going out to plant churches. I remember I was weeping because I, I knew that some of these young men were going to some of the most hostile parts of India and that their lives would be on the line. Went back after that. Three of those individuals had been martyred for the faith. One of them burned alive, the other ones, the other two beaten to death, and was with one of their wives one afternoon. And even though she was broken, she's a human, she has human sorrow, but there was something about her where she felt so honored that the Lord would count her husband worthy to shed his blood for the gospel. Now listen, this is weird to American comfort theology that we preach today. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. We're coming into an hour, whether it be woke culture, cancel culture, you stand up for truth. And you might have to suffer for the gospel. But can I tell you something? He's worthy of it all. Hallelujah. Listen, the worst thing they can do is to kill us. <laughs> and the Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. When eternity becomes real and the gospel is preached as it really is, friend, we'll walk through hell or high water to bring Jesus glory. We must endure persecution, friend. I got two more. You can stand with me. Sister, would you come back to the keyboard for me? Thank you. Number three, we must also persevere in prayer. Not just for Israel, for America, for our children, for our grandchildren, for our families, for Conyers, for Atlanta. Friend, Atlanta needs revival. I love Atlanta. I remember being a little kid. I was born in 68. So Hank Aaron was still playing ball when I was born. I remember in the early 70s, my daddy bringing me to Atlanta, Georgia, and watching Hank Aaron and Willie Montanez play baseball. That's how, that's how old I am. But I want you to hear me. I, I've always loved Atlanta, and I've, I've always felt like 
there's, I mean, the way the city just grew so fast. I mean, I've always felt like that it really represented that, that God has something special for Atlanta and for this greater Atlanta area. I, I, I believe that, that there is a sound of heaven that's supposed to come from this region of America that should reverberate throughout the entirety of our nation and even up into Canada and even down into South America. So listen to me, friend. Be faithful to pray for your city. God, I'll say God will use Atlanta in these last days to bring glory to the name of Jesus. And God will also use a sin church. God will raise up prophetic arrows that he will put in his bow from a sin academy and he will shoot them into every sector of culture and society. And because of the deposit that's received in this place, they will prophesy the word of the Lord and Jesus will be glorified even if some shed their blood in the process, Jesus will be glorified. We must endure in prayer. And my last point is this. I want to encourage you with this truth. We must also endure in hope. Friend, the old timers used to sing, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. This world is not our final place. The Bible says we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are pilgrims passing through. And all that really matters, it doesn't matter how big your portfolio is. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter how much money you got sitting up in the community bank. All that really matters at the end of the day is, Lord, what did I do to bring glory to the name of Jesus? Did I love people right? Did I love my family right? Did I love my community right? Did I love my church right? Did I, I, I share the gospel with the broken and the hurting? For that's all that matters. Can I tell you, we have a blessed hope. Listen to the words of Paul, and I close with this. Paul said, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, which basically means those that are dead in the Lord, those that have passed away. Unless you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And listen to this last verse. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I want you to bow your hearts before the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Friend, we are called to a blessed hope. This is not the final chapter. I don't know how long you have left. I don't know how long I have left. Dear lady in my neighborhood that lives about just down the road from me, we kind of thought she'd live forever. She passed away about three weeks ago at 106, still living by herself, just went to sleep in Jesus. 106 is a ripe old age, but friend, it's nothing compared to eternity. I don't know how much longer we have, you have, I have, but I know this, I have a blessed hope. This is not the final chapter. This is not the conclusion of my life. This is just the beginning. 
and beyond this place there is a final consummation well I'll put off mortality and take on immortality and I'll be able to handle the fullness of the glory of Jesus do you realize that he's so merciful that he kind of gives us drops of glory if he if he sent all his glory we couldn't take it Sometimes it's, it's deeper and it's richer and it's greater than other times. But listen, there's a final consummation. There's a blessed hope where we stand in the glory of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are you going to do now? Listen, I've never, I'm old enough, I remember we would rewind cassette tapes, right? Friend, I've never found a rewind button on life. It's just not there. You got one shot at this, my friend. You got one opportunity. I don't want the epitaph on my tombstone if I go by way of the grave to read, what if? What if I would have loved more? What if I would have forgiven that person? What if I would have been faithful to prayer? What if I would have really witnessed to my neighbor about Jesus? I, I, I don't want to live in what if. I want to hear what Paul heard, well done. Good and faithful servant. Jesus, we humble our hearts before you right now. May we be a people of endurance this morning. May we be a church here in Georgia, a church in Conyers, a church called a sin church that we would ascend to the calling of God in this generation. Father, I pray, make us a people of perseverance that we would not get sidetracked, that we would not be sucked into the opinions of men and all the propaganda and all the politics that just come to scourge a nation. But may our focus be on you, Jesus. May we speak from the throne room, God. May we pray from beyond the veil. And Father, I just prophesy your words. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not peace like the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Friend, even in persecution, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Listen, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know why? I, I've come to this realization over the years. Because a lot of times we're so busy with stuff that we don't take the time to lie down. Can I tell you something? God will put you in a green, he'll make, read that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Maybe that means he puts his hand on me and pushes me into the grass. I don't know, but I know this. In the biggest battles of my life, I have found the green pastures of the Lord and he made me lie down in them and he told me to slow down and learn him. Paul said to put on Christ. Listen, what do you need in this generation, friend? You need to know Jesus. You need to pray from that place. You need to preach from that place. You need to prophesy from that place. You need to love from that place. You need to give from that place. In the midst of all the chaos, I want to open this altar, friend. There's a green pasture. Listen, I, you don't need a man to lay a hand on you this morning. There's times for that, and I love that. That ain't what this is about here this morning in Georgia. You need Jesus to put his hand on you and put you in that green pasture because it's in that place that you're going to be nourished, refreshed, encouraged, strengthened to endure every challenge, every obstacle, every battle. I want to give two calls this morning. If you're here this morning, you would say, Jesus, make me lie down in that pasture and strengthen me to endure. I want you to come right now. You can find out. You can get on your knees. You can... 
turn on your seat, turn around on your knees. You can get on the floor, whatever you want to do. Let's just posture ourselves before the Lord. While you're coming, I'm going to do one more thing this morning. And I'm going to stand up here this morning. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as the Lord of your lives, as the Lord of your life, you've never come to a place where you've asked the Lord to forgive you. You've you've never really been born again of the Spirit of God. Maybe you went through a formality as a kid or something. I'm not talking about that. Friend, do you know Jesus? Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org.